podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And I was taking a drink of horchata, but welcome to episode 47. 47. We're going to be getting that senior citizen discount soon. Mm, Not soon enough. AARP? I think 47, you're at that age that you really want to retire and you're just dreaming about it. Oh, wait, no, that's any age. I'm ready to retire today. I was going to say, I was dreaming about retirement when I was, like, 20. Mm. I'm still dreaming about it every day. Mm-hmm. That's so. the goal. That's the real American dream, retirement. Retirement. <laughs> and how we get there. Anyways, well, moving on from retirement talk, <laughs> how, are, how are you? Not too bad. I was really productive today. I cooked a lot, like meal was, preps and stuff. Was that because you had no choice? Yeah, a lot of it was. So they're coming to, which I didn't know was a thing, but I was telling you earlier, they're coming to pick up my refrigerator tomorrow because I have like a factory. The warranty. Yeah, the the warranty. The, the hinges are bad, and because of COVID, allegedly, they don't have any technicians to come fix it. So even though they already shipped me the hinges in the mail, so now I just have this refrigerator and the hinges to fix it. And they're like, eh, Lowe's will come get it. So Lowe's is going to pick it up tomorrow and then bring me a newer model, like a replacement, brand new fridge, Sunday. And until then, everything's going in the freezer, I guess. Well, I mean, whatever you can do, right? Yeah. But new fancy fridge for you. Look at you go. Yeah, for real, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm sorry that the refrigerator doors were falling off and people got hurt. I don't wish for that, but I appreciate them making it right. Yeah, that's a good business model. They made it right. Yeah. Be be like high sense. Yeah. Own your shit, y'all. I like it. I approve. So how about you? How about your week? Mm, well, Cody's out of town. Good. Cody's been out of town and <laughs> it's not my favorite. <laughs> I don't like when he's <laughs> out of town, which it's fine. He comes back tomorrow. And by the time people hear this, he's home. Yeah. Um, so don't try anything. Yeah. Don't, don't get any ideas there, busters. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just lonely. Though I will say, I sent you the the picture of the puppy with the dirt all up and down her freaking neck. Yeah, what was that? Um, <clears throat> One night I had just gotten off work and I was like, oh my God, I'm so ready to just like veg for a minute, like shut brain off for 10 minutes. That's all I mm-hmm. want out of life right now. Mm-mm. so I had opened the back door because every now and then if I'm like alright the big dogs want to be in and out and I'll open the back door and let them just be in and out for like 5-10 minutes at a time and then I'll come bring them in that's 10 minutes where they could have gone potty and stuff I literally went over opened the door I did a couple other things dogs were outside for like 5 minutes and I went and sat on the couch and I hear Maisie coming, come running in and jump on the couch and I look at her and she's just got dirt all over her she was digging in the yard. 
which I, she does. Like, I, I don't watch her enough when she's outside to stop her, so that's on me. Not upset about the digging. It's the fact that there was just mud head to head to tail. There was no. She had to have a bath immediately. Yeah. So that that was that. But she's she's clean now. Um, get outside time like that right now because I'm bitter. She gets watched. <laughs> the brushing looked fun as well. Oh yeah, she hates being brushed hates it because i'm not nice i'm like get over here gotta brush this out (laughs) i mean obviously if it hurts her i don't i won't pull on her so it hurts but she's not the biggest fan of being brushed so but i mean just look at that little shit Uh, on the couch too like Really? That's the first thing you gotta do? Thankfully our couch is like the pleather so it was easy to clean off but I was like I can't stand you. I'm so upset with you. (sighs) We've been fighting Buck recently actually because we keep noticing since we rearranged the living room uh, we moved the baby monitor into the living room and we're giving her like more freedom so we'll put her down and I'll go in the kitchen or whatever leave the door open you know and uh now that the baby monitor is in the living room, we have noticed Bug getting on the couch when we're not home. And even though the baby monitor has like a talk option that it seems kind of glitchy for some reason. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I will be, me and James were at the bank sitting in the car like, Buck, get off the couch. Get down. Was not moving. I don't know if it was working <laughs> or if he was just ignoring us, but I've been in the other room at the house and heard myself on the baby monitor and he's just like chilling on the couch and I'll come in here and just look and I'm like what are you doing <laughs> see I'm I let my dogs on the couch like they come and snuggle me all the time so to me I'm like that's a non-issue I don't know what you're talking about we used to do that but here my couches went into storage and we used James's couch and that is literally when I was like hey yeah Okay, I'm ready. Let's move in. What about all these five animals? James was like, I just don't want the dogs on the couch. That was the one thing he asked. So you know what? No dog. That's fair. He let you bring all of your animals. Yeah, and that's the one thing. But it's the fact that they both know Maple doesn't do it. It's always Buck. And I'm just like, you know better. You little. He's like, I don't give a shit. This is my my chill spot. And he's, (laughs) he's created a habit. Now that when you guys are gone, he's instantly on that couch and you know it. Oh, no, he's not because he's been he's been locked back in the bedroom again mm. with his bed. There you he go. He lost his privileges. Yep, you lost your free privilege, which sucks because that means Maple loses hers too. Because otherwise mm. he'll tear the house up if we separate them. But Maple's just so chill. She don't care. If there's a fan and a place to lay, she's good. Yeah. Uh, sucks to be Maple, but she can take it out on Buck later. Oh, she does. Oh. <laughs> um, what was the other thing I was just going to... Totally off topic. At work, I've got a customer that is um, based in France. Oh, boy. Do I love the transcripts that we get. <laughs> so um, we have like a, an option to record our meetings, which I typically do because sometimes I just want to go back and re-listen to them. Make mm-hmm. sure I didn't miss anything. And... <laughs> So French-speaking customer, they were speaking in French to one another. And 
I'm just sitting there listening. And when I was listening back to the recording on the transcript, I just caught the best thing. Hold on. I got to pull it up so I can read it to you. So this is what it thought that this lady was saying. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Knew any more telephone of it to say bullshit mode on your house. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. Bullshit mode on your house. I, that was exactly what she was saying. That was a word for word transcript. Person, like they're not translating off. this right she's i pissed her off is what it was <laughs> um i didn't have an answer for her she didn't enjoy that but i also didn't know she was going to present said question <laughs> but bullshit, bullshit mode on your, on your house. House. bullshit mode on your house yeah i mode on your house. love it and i don't know i think what caught my eye was the word bullshit <laughs> I was dying. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't. I need this. I need her to speak more in French so I can get better. <laughs> get better and better. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my God. So, that's, that's my new the, favorite thing. You know what, Amanda? That's bullshit mode on your house. That is bullshit mode on your world. <laughs> bullshit mode activated. Done. <laughs> bullshit mode activated. Oh my god, I love it. Anyways, that's been the highlight of my day, of my week. Well, now it's the highlight of both of our weeks. Mm, exactly, you're welcome. Um, Are you ready to activate bullshit mode with a story? Well, before we activate bullshit mode, we should probably just talk about Discord. Um, and New Mexico. Yeah, you were really excited about New Mexico. Do you want to do was. it today? <laughs> yes um i never know what to say you like here take this proverbial microphone and then it's just crickets <laughs> like, here speak you do it every other minute of this podcast except for what i need you to <laughs> yeah basically but we have you know we like to shout out some new listeners and this week i looked at the map which is already different from almost every other week but i saw it was near Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is kind of cool because it always reminds me of Bugs Bunny. Should have taken that left turn in Albuquerque. Or I think it's Albuquerque. I don't know how he says it. I'm not even going to attempt to say it, but Bugs Bunny, yes. Albuquerque. I don't know, but <laughs> New Mexico, we see you. We see you. That was more of a shout out than I give anyone else. Like you even went in on the town. I'm going to make you do that from now on. Son of a <laughs> you did such a good job i'm just gonna be like all right Amanda. <laughs> well i'm gonna be looking at that map a lot more often now <laughs> all right we also just want to throw out our discord we do have that up and going so if you guys just want to have true crime and paranormal discussions um that is ready to go so just let us know if you want to be added um and we'll get you added actually we promised a link so we'll also post a link for mm -hmm. our discord as well so all right, that's all I've got. I am ready for a story. Oh, wait, no, okay. I don't. I, we forgot Patreon. <laughs> oh, there's this thing called Patreon. Um, we <laughs> we, we are have. working on putting more specials up on Patreon, Amanda and I, right now. Um, we do have a Jack the Ripper special and a couple game nights up there. Um, <clears throat> so the game nights are just us 
bullshit mode activated. Um, <laughs> um, that's what those are. We'll have to do yeah. some more of those. <laughs> those yes, are pretty fun. They are. Um, <laughs> we have those. We have bloopers. And you also get early access to all of the episodes on Discord as well. <clears throat> so if you want to get access there, you can go ahead and visit our Patreon. It's linked on our link tree, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Um, but yeah, that's that's next. And we're actually really excited for our next special. Should we give them a, a teaser on that one? Oh, do we have a teaser? Well, I can tell you guys, it's a real fun conspiracy theory that we're doing a deep dive into. Yeah. It'll be a blast from the oh. past. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to well, have to make time for that one. <laughs> we think we're so funny. It's wonderful. People hate us. <laughs> they, they love to hate us. It's fine. Okay, but now now that that's out of the way, bullshit mode activated. Okay, so this is a story from Iceland. So a lot of the words are Icelandic. I googled a lot. Okay, I'm doing the best I can. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, just be nice to me, please. Thank you. Know my pain with the freaking <laughs> horn serpent. Oh my. Okay, okay. there's it's it's kind of like that. There's a lot of letters. And in English, they shouldn't go next to one another, but they do. But they're really pretty. So um, this is the story of Berna Bronze daughter, daughter. She went missing after a night out with friends January 14th, 2017 in Reykjavik, Iceland. She was 20 years old and she worked as a sales assistant in a local department store. Berna was described as confident and carefree. Her friends said that she had a great sense of humor. She really liked dancing and music. And I saw that one of her friends actually described her as a happy pill, which that's I just love a really, that. Right? I, that's a really good way to describe somebody. They said this because she was always just so happy and upbeat. I love that. That's so cute. And <laughs> Birna was. She was really cute. She was a gorgeous gorgeous girl hey Maisie can you come be my happy pill no Aww. okay she's gonna be my destruction pill instead she's gonna be your jagged little pill uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what she's chewing on but she probably shouldn't be not gonna stop her <laughs> oh my god it's she, whatever uh Birna lived with her dad about 30 minutes outside of Reykjavik in a suburb called Breaholt her parents were divorced Divorce. Divorce. <laughs> they the were divorced. came out. <laughs> All- that was a natural bunny too. <laughs> That's what I get for picking on Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> Her parents. They were divorced, but they were on good terms with each other. And Birna was have said to speak to her father and mother every single day, even though she lived with her father. They just got along really well. They were said to have co-parented really well. It just seemed like a really healthy relationship and a healthy family unit. Her mother described Birna as strong-willed and independent yet responsible, and she always let them know where she was or where she was going. On Friday the 13th of January... Uh, nope. Don't like it already. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. The date? Friday the 13th. Nope, nope, nope. Of January 2017, she went out with friends after work, and they started the night at a pub where they just played cards, and then as the night got a little 
later, and it started being like nightlife hours, they moved to a popular nightclub called Hira. And they stayed there until 2 a.m., which is when her friends went home. Now, Berna stayed behind until 5 a.m. when the club actually closed for the night. And she starts walking home and CCTV shows her dressed in black jeans, a gray sweater, black Doc Martin boots and a zip up hoodie draped over her shoulders. And uh, in some of the footage. Yeah, you know the story. In some of the footage, she was eating a falafel pita that she had stopped and bought. Now, Birna was obviously drunk in the footage. She dropped some change at one point, and you could see her bend over and picking it up. At another point, she bumped into a stranger as she was walking. But <clears throat> she wasn't stumbling. She just walked almost like in a veering. You know, she would kind of veer to the right, and she kind of veer back to the left. So she just wasn't walking straight. I don't walk straight most of the time. Yeah, That's I trip- a coordination thing I don't have. I trip over a lot of stuff that's not there. All the time. The air is yeah, it's always tricky. in my way. Also, mm-hmm. the ground is always trying to slap me. Well, that's because um, I was reading something the other day where at random points throughout the day, the gravity gets heavier and your body doesn't adjust to mm. it. So you just fall. Your body just doesn't adjust fast enough. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. It's not us. It's space. Gosh, dang it. That was heavy sarcasm in case anybody... <laughs> If Just you didn't tell. catch yeah. on. Um, and by sarcasm, I mean a flat out lie. I read that nowhere. I made that up. She, she read that in her mind. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Birna was walking home along the main street called the Laugavegner? Laugavegner? What? Laugavegner? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm really sorry. This street, it was really well lit with street lamps every 10 meters or a little over three feet. And when I first heard this story, to be honest, I was kind of like, oh, my God, like this, this, this woman's walking home alone. Like this goes against absolutely everything I was taught. Um, she was alone, but this wasn't as scary as, you know, people in other countries or people like us in the United States. Because in Iceland, for women, it was pretty much normal for everybody. It was pretty much normal to just walk around. I mean, Iceland, it was at the time, and it still is one of the safest countries in the world. The crime rate there is extremely low. According to the Global Global Peace Index, it's been the safest country for the last 13 years in a row. Listen, you are um, struggling with English and Icelandic work today. <clears throat> yeah. But let's also move there because it's the safest place in the world. Absolutely. On my way. Pack your bags. Maisie, let's go. Oh, that's perfect. Because I still haven't unpacked from when I went to Alabama. I just wear the clothes out of the suitcase every day. And then they get dirty. That's a great, great plan. Maisie, strategy. Uh, There's also the fact that only about 340,000 people lived in Iceland at the time. So it was a pretty close-knit community. And from what I read, it wasn't the type of place where it's like everybody knows everybody Mm -hmm. but it was the type of place where people knew somebody that knew somebody does that make sense there's a connection somewhere yes 
At 5.25 a.m., security footage shows Birna walking on the opposite side of the street from this bar called the Lebowski Bar, and it had a notable red and yellow awning out front. She was on the opposite side of the street. Like I said, she walked past a coffee and waffle shop on one corner where a narrow street led to the sea. And this was the last time that Birna would be seen alive. When she didn't show up for work the next day, Saturday morning, her friend Maria, she immediately knew that something was off because she said that Birna was never late to work. And if she did miss work, she called in. She never, like, no call, no showed. And she said when she tried to call Birna, her phone was off. And that was even more strange. So Maria got in, I'm sorry, I'm trying to roll my R because that's how they said it. Um, I was going to ask, I was like, I don't know if this is Icelandic. I don't know if they roll their R's or if you're trying to be like the, like a Hispanic accent. I, I was just going to cheer you on regardless. That's how I heard it said. And it does have the, uh, what is it? The, not a the tilde, accent, but the accent more. Yeah. So I'm trying y'all. Uh, Maria ended up calling Birna's friends that she was with that night. She reached out to them and asked them about it. And that's when they told her, well, we all went home at two and Birna stayed back. So she got in touch with Birna's dad. And when she found out he or she wasn't at home either, she got in touch with Birna's mom. And that's when Birna's mom, Sia Reinsdottir, she pretty much immediately filed a missing, person, a missing persons report. She did call a couple of people first, try to see if they were there or she was there. But when she wasn't, it was within a couple hours that she filed a missing persons report. Uh, she also posted on Facebook explaining that her daughter had never come home after staying out with her friends and that this was extremely unlike Birna. And a little excerpt from that. She says, Dear friends, it's not like her that we can't reach her. Please share and let's find her. See ya. Within just a few hours, the post had been shared thousands of times and Sia stayed up all night. She, she called emergency services for updates every hour, sometimes every half hour. Oh, she's so old. Yes. And at 9 a.m., they told Sia that Birna's phone either died or switched off at 5.50 a.m. the day she went missing. And the phone actually last pinged off a tower in Hafnafjörde. Hafnafjörde is a port town. It's about six miles south of Reykjavik. As soon as Sia heard this, her and some relatives and some of Birna's friends drove down there. And they immediately started knocking on doors. They were walking the streets and calling, hoping that Birna would hear them. And maybe she was just lost. But... Unfortunately, they weren't able to do this for long because in January in Iceland, there's apparently only a couple hours of daylight a day. There's it's only kind of like a, with the concept of Alaska of how far north they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they I believe they only had about five hours of daylight this day to do that. So unfortunately, the police were also not much help to begin with. Because they didn't have any evidence at all to, to know that something awry happened. And violent crime is so incredibly rare in Iceland that that's not, it's not the first thing that they're going to think of. And they had said that most of the time, if kids didn't come home, it was because 
you know, she's 20 years old. She could have met somebody and hooked up with them. She could be sleeping at a friend's house. So unfortunately, they just weren't quick to help. But I can also understand that when, like, this never happens. Right. It's so rare. The media picked up the story, though, partly due to the Facebook post. And Sia agreed to be interviewed. So she's going on the news. She's doing everything she can to find her daughter. And the police officers, or I'm sorry, the police office, they assigned one of their most experienced officers to the case, Detective Grimier Grimson. Is that not the best name? I, I, we have this thing with names and I love it. Grimmer Grimson? That is the absolute best police officer name. I feel like he belongs on Sesame Street. He could 100% be a <laughs> detective Muppet on Sesame Street. And I mean that in all the nicest niceties? Niceness. You mean that in the most flattering way possible. Mm-hmm. I think they should make a Muppet after him. I think that he should be just a celebrity. Oh, he is a very achieved police officer. Okay. Did I say that right? Is that a thing? Sure. Okay, yeah, we're just going to go with it. Um, I think you're looking for the word accomplish. Accomplish. Jesus Christ. Let's just, let's just, let's go. If it makes you feel better, I was going to go with achieved because I was like, yeah, sure, sounds close enough. See, this is, this is why you're here and I don't do this by myself. Well, also, it's more fun with me. Yeah. I need someone else to talk to. Yeah, I mean, talk to yourself. I guess you could have had James do it with you, but he's no fun. Nah. As you give him that look. Yeah, I thought <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, police followed Birna as long as they could on the CCTV. They even collected clothing from her father's house with her scent on it, and they used tracker dogs to try to find her, which turned up nothing. The police were pouring over the CCTV footage again. When they noticed a red Kia Rio traveling the opposite direction of Birna, and it passed the Lebowski bar about 30 seconds after Birna did. Okay. Unfortunately, in this footage, they couldn't make out the license plate. And they did pull the National Vehicle Database, but they found over 100 cars of the same color, make, and model. So this was going to, they needed help. They needed something else. White the investigation. Mm-hmm. Apparently a lot of Kia Rios. And red Kia Rios in Iceland. Y'all like that car, I guess. I don't know what that looks like. I'm gonna Google it. Um, I know James has a Kia of some sort, make model. It's brown. Forte. Why does he, he have says. a brown car? Uh, why do you have a brown car? Because that's what was on the lot. Listen. That's my husband, ladies and gentlemen. Very <laughs> he, he was not his bullshit mode was not activated that day. No. No, it was not. He was like, need car, go vroom. They said brown. He said, oh. <laughs> He's he was being a caveman that day. Yes. Yeah. Hey, money take. <laughs> Me sign paper. <laughs> what this contraption? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
See, and James is such a jerk, he doesn't listen, so he's never going to hear this. He can hear me making fun of him because he's sitting next to me. Yeah, but he's not going to hear me making fun of him. It's not the same. You'll have to listen to the episode 47 if you want to hear Bryce making fun of you. He's going to have to listen to all of them before he gets to 47. He has to go in order. And all of them before, so it makes sense. (laughs) So you know when we're talking about you in a chronological timeline. He says, okay. (laughs) After not having many leads, Detective Grimson gave a press conference to ask the public to come forward with any information they could to try to find Birna or at least the identity of the driver driving the Kia Rio in the footage. I forgot to mention that I did look up the Kia Rio and it's kind of a cute little car. Isn't it kind of a little little hatchback? Mm -hmm. It's kind of sporty, but it's tiny. Yeah, it's it's like it's not it's, a family uh, car. No, I wouldn't put my dogs in it. No, uh, your dogs wouldn't fit in it. You got well, Maisie, Maisie would. alone would just be running up and down the walls. Uh, it's nothing new, but that's not true. She would insist on being on my lap. But just I, I can see the allure of the Kia Rio, mm-hmm. especially in red too. Adorable. I was thinking in yellow. Oh, that yellow. Oh, that would be cute. Oh. Okay. Um, Sia also joined Detective Grimson at this press conference and she spoke about her daughter again trying just trying like doing everything she can as a mom a few hours after the press conference two men came forward with some information these men were brothers both in their 20s and they were in no way shape or form related to Birna and they were out looking for her because Iceland is just a great country. They went to search for Birna in the... I'm sorry, I have to look up again how I said this word. The Hafnafjörder. Okay. They were searching for her around the Hafnafjörder. And they were specifically looking near the harbor in a fenced off area between the road and the sea. And in this area, there was some building supplies kind of scattered around. There were pipes on the ground. Um, There was these storage containers. But on the ground, amidst those pipes and, I guess, wooden stuff, just some of the clutter, is where they found a pair of black boots that were soon confirmed to have been Birna's. They used divers and drones to search the water while officers searched the harbor CCTV footage. And that's where they found a red Kia Rio enter the harbor and park alongside a 65 meter, uh, it's a little over 200 feet fishing boat called the Polar Nanok. A just really like obviously drunk man. He got out of the passenger side and boarded the ship before the car left again. Thomas Olson is a 25 year old man from Greenland. He had, uh, police found out that he had actually rented the car because this time they were actually able to get the license plate number and ran it. And when they went to get the car, a family had actually rented it out, but they were able to get it anyways. And they were to able and they were able to impound it. And that's when the family told them when they first had it, it was a really strong chemical smell in the car. And it was actually so strong that their little boy complained about sitting in the back seat. Hey, um, you said that and that brought up a little quick little story about my own stupidity. Uh-huh. Um, 
So like the chemical smell, I know this is different. I know this is different. Um, I don't work for Revere anymore and there was nothing that happened. So, um, <laughs> so there, I had gone down to St. George. So down South, like a three hour, four hour drive um, for work. And I was like, I'm not driving my car. I bought a rental car off of my um, company credit card. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, and Cody and I, or Cody came down with me. It was like over the 4th of July. It was a weird time. I had to be there. And <clears throat> so we went to Vegas and my parents were like, Hey, buy us booze. I was like, okay. So we put booze in the trunk of this rental car, not just put them in, not thinking about it. And then we met up with a couple of my friends that live out in um, Vegas. Uh, we were out on the strip, walking around, hanging out. And when we got back to the car, oh my God, it smelled so strong of alcohol. And we're like, what the hell? The bottles broke in the trunk. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I had six Costco size bottles of tequila or vodka or something break in the trunk because they just they fell just right so the necks all snapped off of them in oh, this no. rental car and i was like if i get pulled over they're going to think i'm drunk oh no so i get that kid like any smell that is strong in any part of a car and sitting back there kid i got you that i had to windows were down i was we were driving with heads out the windows. It was so strong. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm not allowed to transport alcohol for my parents anymore. I would say so. So, anyways. Thank God that was a rental, though. Honestly, it's not your problem. Well, the concern I had was, this is a rental. I'm going to have to pay if they say something about it. And I know it's just alcohol, but... I literally, I had the trunk open, the doors open. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Just sitting I mean, out did there. did you get the warranty, though? The warranty, the insurance? Nope. Oh, no. I, my work told me not to. Because when oh. I asked, they're like, you'll be fine. I was like, oh, are you well. sure? <laughs> I can't be trusted, apparently. Y'all were wrong. They didn't say anything, then. Um, By the time we returned it, I think I had aired it enough where it smelled like there was just a cleaner in there. Oh, okay. Thank God for tequila. Right? <laughs> it might have been vodka. I don't know what it was. It was something. It was some kind of alcohol. It was alcoholic in nature, yeah. So technically it did clean it. Yeah, so I, I just was... Uh, that's what that reminded me of. Sorry, go on. I'm sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, um, good. While they were searching the vehicle, they did notice traces of blood in the back seat. And they sent that off for testing. They actually had to send that to Norway. Because again, Iceland is just so small. And they don't really have these types of crimes often. So they didn't even have a place to test it. So they had to send it out of the country to have it tested. Um, by Tuesday, just three days after Birna's disappearance, the polar Nanok was hundreds of miles away. And I did add a picture of the polar Nanok, by the way. It had set sail Saturday, and the boat, along with the two suspects on board, had left Iceland, and they were fishing off of Greenland by this time. So police were trying to figure out how they could get on that boat, since it belongs to a different country, is in that country's waters, and, you know, the crime happened in this, because they're trying to figure out 
all the logistics of it. And they were trying to do it as quickly as possible because they didn't want these men to destroy any evidence that they might have on them. But while they were trying to figure out all this, uh, while they were trying to figure out all this, Detective Grimson, he caught a break. The captain of the Polar Nanot had read online that not only has his ship been linked to the disappearance of Birna, but that two of his crew members may have been implicated in the crime. This badass told his crew that there was a malfunction with the engine and they had to be turned around and returned to Iceland to get it repaired. Not only did he do this, which he didn't really have to, okay? So hats off to this guy. But he also turned the Wi-Fi off so nobody could keep updated on the crime and they couldn't see what was going on because at one point Thomas had asked people you know, like he was, he was obviously worried because a news anchor, or I'm sorry, a news reporter, he searched Facebook and found this Facebook group that the crew of the Polar Nanoc used to communicate with one another. And he was messaging people in that group asking if they knew who was linked to that red Kia Rio. So Thomas sees this and he kind of starts freaking out. And the captain is like, look, you didn't do anything, then you don't have anything to be worried about, right? Mm-hmm. And then it said he gave him a sedative, which maybe he's just like, here, have a Xanax, calm down. Or maybe he was like, here, have a Xanax, calm down. We're Relax. Going yeah, like, you know, this to me, this dude sounds awesome. I like this guy. Right. Early the next morning on Wednesday, six members of the Viking squad, which is like the top tier police You can't get any higher. It's an elite counter-terror unit within the police at or in Iceland. They boarded a helicopter and flew to the Polar Nanok as it crossed into Icelandic water. They rappelled onto the boat. And soon after, Thomas and Nikolaj, who was the passenger that was exiting the car, they were both arrested and they were confined to their cabins until the Polar Nanok reached Hafnifjörnir. I'm so sorry. 12 hours afterwards. Police were battling rumors spread online, basically saying that some people found a body in a lake and other rumors, multiple women, including Berna, were abducted and they were found alive on board the Polar Nanok. All this, none of it was true. But police were kind of battling these rumors. And once they're, the pair... They're, that's the hard... They're in a hard spot where they're trying to kind of keep a little bit mm-hmm. of secrecy, but the public's over here like, oh, no, this is what what's happened, and this is what has happened. Exactly. And they're they're trying not to lie to the public, but at the same time, they're not trying to show all the cards in their deck. Right. So once the men were returned to police headquarters in Reykjavik, they were immediately separated and questioned. The blood, by this time, had been confirmed to have belonged to Berna. But both men denied harming her. The night of Birna's disappearance, Nikolaj had taken a taxi into Reykjavik and was very drunk by the time Thomas had met him in town. So they just did a little bar hopping. And both of the men that night, they told police that two women, one of them Birna, entered the Red Kia Rio at the suspected time on the CCTV footage. However, a very drunk Nikolaj claimed to have passed out in the ride and was on the ride and was unable to recall anything after that. 
police believed his testimony based on basically based on him stumbling into the boat at the harbor footage. Mm -hmm. So Nikolaj was released after spending two weeks in police custody. And this was after, after the video proved that he was on board the ship at the time of the murder. Thomas told investigators that after he dropped Nikolaj off at the boat, roughly at about 6 a.m., he parked at the end of the harbor and climbed into the backseat with the two women. And that's where him and Birna kiss. They started making out. And after about an hour, he dropped both women off at a roundabout, not far away. He parked and slept in the vehicle because he was just so tired and drunk. Now, the odometer in the car reflected a long trip rather than a quiet night of sleep. And they also found, like, where the car had been roughed up, I guess, on the bottom, like it had been driving off-road or on roads yeah. that were not meant for a tiny little compact car. All the dirt and the... Yeah, scratches and yeah. yeah. Video surveillance from the harbor also showed Thomas leaving at 7 a.m. and returning at 11 a.m. During this time, his cell phone was shut off, but he was found on video at a store buying Ajax, clothes, and plastic bags, and then he was seen scrubbing out the inside of the car. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. A little sketchy. Although Thomas if told you, hold police... On. If you have a rental car, sir, don't make a mess in it. You shouldn't... Like, they vacuum between uses, sir. Yeah. If you have a rental car, don't spill four gallons or six gallons of tequila in the trunk, okay? Lesson learned. <laughs> Plastic only. <laughs> Bring towels, wrap them up. <laughs> Thomas claimed to police that he was cleaning vomit out of the car. Which, if they were all drunk, as drunk as they were, like, that could be a good point. Um, counterpoint, luminol testing showed large amounts of blood evidence. And they also found scratches on Thomas's chest, seemingly from a struggle. Police searched their cabins on the boat <clears throat> and found 23 kilograms, which is almost 51 pounds of hashish. Do you know what that is? Hashish? Hashish. Could you hashish about it? Hashish. <laughs> I don't know what hashish is. I had to Google it. Um, hashish, or hash, as it's called, is basically marijuana, but stronger mm. because it's made from the cannabis extract. And when I was reading that, what come to my mind, I think, is um, it tastes like real sugar because it's made from real sugar, but with marijuana. All right, it's a party, I guess. Yeah, it's like the stevia of marijuana. I feel like I should have, like, hash marijuana, like, hashish. I feel like I should have connected dots knowing that terminology. I mean, I didn't either. I don't, I don't know. But okay. I guess I also don't hear it called hash very often either. No, when people say hash, I'm like, what, are we going to Waffle House? Because I'm down. I want a double hash, please. What is hash? Like, hash browns? Yeah, hash browns. Oh, I've never called it hash. But I'm That's down what with I think the, of. I'm thinking you're going to hash it out. More like a corned beef hash? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can hash hungry. this out later. <laughs> yeah. I like what you did there. I so. <laughs> uh, this hashish hash stuff, uh, it had a street value of 1.4 million pounds. That is... <laughs> oh. 
1,642,550 US dollars. So a little yeah. chunk of change. Yeah. Woo! Woo! A chunk of change there. Um, they also found, found Birna's driver's license in the trash can of the ship. Why? Okay, don't keep trophies. No, no, let it go. Don't be a hoarder. Okay, that is but, a nasty habit. Don't keep but, everything you get. Yeah. But also, in this situation, do it. Because yeah, you got I caught. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Dummy. Yeah. Stupid. Or just don't kill someone. Preferably. Yeah. Over 800 volunteers and 87 vehicles took part in a search for Birna Saturday, January 21st. And the next day, a week after she had been missing, a Coast Guard helicopter spotted Birna's naked body on the southern coast of Iceland near the Selvasvithi lighthouse. The autopsy revealed that Birna had been hit in the face and strangled but there were no signs of sexual assault found, even though she was naked. The official cause of death was drowning, meaning that she was alive before being thrown in the water. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. Thousands of people left candles and flowers where her body was found. And they actually had a march where they marched the route that she walked. And her funeral was... Held in the biggest church in Iceland, and it was attended by over 2,000 people, including the president and the prime minister. That's a lot of people. On March 30th of 2017, Thomas was charged with murder and drug possession. By the time his trial started in August, Thomas's DNA had been found on the laces of one of Birna's boots, and his fingerprint was found on her driver's license. Thomas pled guilty to the drug possession charge, but he blamed Nikolaj for the murder. He said that or during the trial is when he changed his tune. He said that it wasn't two girls, but it was just Berna in the back seat. And he stopped the car to pee when Nikolaj climbed into the driver's seat and drove away and came back way later to pick him up. Oh, okay. Yeah, the judges saw through that and sentenced him to 19 years in prison. Good. He did appeal, but he was found guilty as shit, and his judgment and sentence remained the same. In November of 2019, he moved to Vester Prison in Copenhagen, and that was the last I was able to find on him. Well, all right. I hope he's rotting there. Yeah, I hope he's having a very bad day every day. But that is pretty much the biggest story in Iceland. That's the story <gasps> of Birna Brand's daughter. Well, I don't like it, but I also enjoyed you telling me about it. So, of course, you would. Was it because of the words that I had to say? Uh huh. I tried. Feels like you're starting to understand. Was that like a high five? <laughs> oh no, that was my my camera went blurry, and I was like, "Hello, fix yourself." If it makes you feel better, it didn't look blurry on my end, but maybe that's just because my eyes are shit. Look, at least you can read the menus in a drive through okay? Says who? Says <laughs> the person that can't. I have to use their, my phone to zoom in. I use my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I go, what, what's the number two? Not that one. Three? No, not that one. Four. Four. Four is it. Do that one. 
Oh, wait, no, just, that one has. <laughs> I've just started looking up menus ahead of time on my phone. Even if it's places we've been a million times, like Wendy's or something. I'm just like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, person with good eyes. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me what it's like in your world. Well, we live in the same world, so you already know. <laughs> yeah, I already know. All right. Well, I've got a I've got a story for you. It's okay. not the one I texted you about last night, so oh, okay. I, I did change it up. So are you ready to hear about an alien abduction? Oh hell yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Now I'm gonna set a little scene for you really quick. Okay. Imagine working in the woods with your six coworkers. What are we doing? Logging. Ah, okay. Yeah, you got to work in the woods for that. You're not hiding bodies, okay? Okay, trees and shit. Got you. <laughs> okay, trees and shit. <laughs> and one of your coworkers goes missing in the woods. And you tell this unbelievable story that there was a UFO and da 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 da. And what do you think police would think of this? We like, need to get this man to a mental hospital. Stat. I'm not. A, I'm sorry. I'm oh. not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> we need to get this person mental yeah. health. Stat. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now, how do your thoughts change if I tell you the missing person reappears five days later? Where? Okay. Well, that's what we're going to talk. I just want to know what you think. I think I already need one of those emergency <laughs> blankets that look like aluminum foil that police give you. Oh, he definitely needed one. He also will get into it. So we're going to be talking about, I just wanted to know like your standpoint, even if you were a police officer and you have these people telling you there was a UFO and one of their buddies was abducted and you I as mean, the police officer cannot find this person, your thoughts. Start to sound a little abducty. Abduct, abduct. Abduct. Abductee. Starting to sound gone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this is the case. It is one of the most investigated and documented cases of any UFO case. And this is the case of Travis Walton. Have you heard of this one? No. Is he a Walmart Walton? Not that I'm aware. He's a UFO Walton. Whoa. Hold up. It's even better. Oh. <laughs> Travis Walton, he's 22 years old. He's working in the Apache Sitgrave National Forest as a logger, and this is located near Snowflake, Arizona. Um, is that, is that a, a, a joke name? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it gets cold there. I don't know. Right? Like only at night, though, during, during the yeah. day, the snowflake melt. Yeah, it's sad, sad snowmen there during the day. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, where was I? I already lost my point. You were telling me about Snowflake. Yeah, so Snowflake, Arizona, on November fifth, nineteen seventy-five, Travis Walton is working with uh, a timber stand improvement crew, um, just out in the you know in the woods. They're chopping down trees, doing stuff. This crew included Michael Rogers, Ken Peterson, John Goulet, Steve Pierce, Alan Dallas, and Dwayne Smith. Okay, so six six different guys, none of them really any relationship. They're just working. Now, they just had a long day of working. And so they get into the, the truck that they drove up in because, you know, they drove up together. And they start heading home. And 
again, seven people total, six other individuals aside from Travis. And same uh, truck. I'm sorry. Yes. How? Three up front, three up in the back. But where's the seventh? Sitting on someone's lap. I don't know. Oh, it's got to be uncomfortable. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He might be, because this is the 70s. He could just be in the bed of the truck. Oh, yeah. They didn't have seatbelts back then. Yeah, that wasn't like a safety thing, you know. So they just crammed in there. Yeah, they just were like, clown car time. Let's go. Cool. Okay. Okay. So they get in the truck. They're driving home. And it's just after 6 p.m. on the night of November 5th. And the crew sees something in the sky ahead. And initially, they're like, it's a glow. And they're thinking, oh, no, is this a forest fire? Are we not going to be able to get home? Is this going to cause us to have to turn around, get to safety? Something like that. And they're like, oh, no. And as they approach, they realize, oh, this isn't a fire. But it's actually a large silver disc just floating in the clearing. No biggie. No, uh, yeah. They said it was hovering, like, it was, like, 20 to 30 feet long, hovering off of the ground. Uh, It was about 110 feet away. And it was glowing really brightly. They're like, it was bright enough that it lit the ground underneath it pretty bright. And they just were very much like, what is going on? Um, It was also making a, what they described as a high-pitched buzz sound. So they're like, uh, um... First of all, if I saw this, if I were driving, pedal to the metal, bitches. I'm out. You're not. There's bye. Okay. That was not their mentality. Oh. They brought the truck to a stop. And again, another mentality that would not be mine. Travis Walton then does something kind of stupid. No. In my opinion. Did he go towards it? He hops on out of the truck and goes towards the crowd. Them loggers are just built different. They, yeah, I don't know. Like, why are you stopping the truck? Why are you going to the UFO? Are you asking to be abducted? Did he, like, did he steal someone else's lunch? Is that why y'all are allowing this to happen? They're like, actually, Travis, get out. <laughs> yeah. Like, these people are not your friends, Travis. Actually, they were reportedly yelling at him, trying to get him back. Like, Travis, get back here. Get back here. What are you doing? So they were. But also, they're not stupid enough to go and, like, drag him back, you know? Fair. So Travis gets out to go and investigate. And he approaches the craft. And what they report seeing next is that they see a blue-green beam of light appear. And it looks like it almost hits Travis, like, kind of in the chest. And it's coming from the craft. And they said that Travis was lifted into the air and just thrown back, like, 10 feet. And they they thought he was dead. They were like, all right, done, bye. And the six men still in the truck, they take off. Goodbye. <laughs> they were like, sorry, Travis, that you just got thumped into oblivion by this UFO. But we tried to warn you. They were like, no man left behind? Nope, we leave him behind. <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. Every man for themselves. <laughs> Do we eventually hear from Travis? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, can I make a... Can I make a... Comment? Yes. Sure, I don't... What is wrong with me today? Observation. Yes. I am sorry. A theory. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm going to theorize that he couldn't help but move towards... The thing. I'm going to guess, like, you know how sometimes you hear that people get, like, hypnotized like, almost? Yeah, they're in a trance. Yeah, I'm going to guess it's a trance <clears throat> situation. 
Okay, I'll answer that at the end. Um, okay. Anyways, so <laughs> six guys take off. Goodbye. You're on your own, Travis. Your own fault. You ignored us. <laughs> Can't blame them. I will say that other reports do say that after they got like a little ways away, they're like, oh shit, we should probably go back for Travis. Like that oh. probably wasn't a cool thing for us to do. That's they when do. they remembered their morals. Yeah. They got like a mile away and we're like, oh shit, we do have morals. Hold on. Yeah. We take so, it back. No man left behind for real. For reals. But they go yeah. back to where the clearing was and Travis is nowhere to be found. Neither is the craft. And they just couldn't find evidence of Travis there. They're like, there was no blood. There's no, there's no evidence that he's dead. I mean, at least. Well, they abandoned him. So the ship didn't have a choice. They were like, well, shit, we just knocked this guy out. Now we have to take him. Now we have to. We were just, yeah. it was a harmless prank. Someone fell yeah. on the, the ray button. It's an accident. This is the difference in like murder oh and assault right now. What if it's like a little alien teenagers out on a joyride? That accidentally bumped into the controls because they were messing around and they didn't actually mean to abduct him. What if it's alien teenagers on a joyride and they actually bumped into the controls and that's when it started to pick him up and they were like, no shit, cancel. And that's when instead they just slammed him into a tree and was like, dude, we got to get out of here. But they already left. Now was, what do we do? I don't know. Take him with us. Hit that button again. Mom and dad are going to be so pissed. <laughs> don't tell them. I'll tell my parents I abducted a man <laughs> from Snowflake, Arizona. They'd be so proud. <laughs> well, they go back. They don't find Travis. And they, they're they like, okay, well, now what? So they go back to town. And they decide, all right, we have to call police. Like, we can't hide this. Someone's going to notice he's missing. So we've got to call police. And... They are somehow able to convince police to come to them. And police are like, they were visibly shaken up. Some of them appeared to be close to tears when they arrived. Like, six grown-ass men. Close to tears. About, they were really upset about what just happened. Yeah, they were very upset. And so, they go on to then tell the authorities what they had seen. And they're like listen, we're not lying. This is what happened. I mean, authorities were even go on to say if they were lying, they were damn good actors because they were very convincing. And I mean, they were all very much similar accounts, similar everything. So obviously as the authorities, they're like, okay, sure. UFO took him. <laughs> so funny. You know, <laughs> but let me just call the Navy. <laughs> They're on their way, you know, whatever it is. So they're kind of skeptical, but they do launch an investigation. And that includes, they allow the crew to take them back to the location where the incident happened. And they're like, there's no evidence of anything. Sir, madam, are you sure this is the right spot? And they're like, oh no, we're sure. This is it. This is the spot. This is where it happened. Traumatized, don't want to be here. Let's find Travis. Well, <clears throat> All they could really do, like, all they could confirm was that Travis was missing. They don't know what the circumstances are, police at least. They don't know what the circumstances are. All they know is he's missing. And you got six men who are distressed and telling this very crazy story. So keep in mind that it did get cold in Snowflake, Arizona, in the mountains at night. And it's November. So, I mean, there were concerns about him being out in the elements. But there's not much they can do. So they, they do start the search. 
they search for days. They utilize the help of scent dogs and helicopters. And they say that the crew had to go, well, not the crew, like the officer and one of the members of the crew goes to inform Travis's mother of the abduction. Um, obviously early on. And they noted that she had kind of a weird reaction. They're like, she listened. She was very calm. Like there was no tears. She wasn't like frantic, anything like that. She was very calm. She would ask them to repeat details or the account or certain things. And then she asked a question that they found rather odd. And that was, she asked whether or not anyone aside from the crew and the police were aware of the situation. Now, some people say this was like an on-brand reaction for her. They're like, she had six kids. She had learned, she was a, I believe, if I remember correctly, she was a single mother, six kids. She had learned to really control her emotions. And so that's one, one argument is... She was calm, cool, and collected because she had to be. Like, that she had taught herself that. To me, it sounds like she's just a straight-up saint. Right? She's like, where's my son? Let's figure this out. But I'm not going to freak out. Internally, there's the panic. Externally, you would never know. But they they do note that, like, it was just a really weird reaction. She does help with the search. I mean, puts out pleas, does everything that she can. Um, and they say kind of towards the end of the search, she was much more frantic and much more, you know, emotional. And police actually begin kind of developing this theory. They're like, well, I know the crew like helped us tell her that his mother and they told us this wild story. But I don't know if we're li- looking for a living person. I think we might be looking for a body. That's rough. Okay. Police kind of developed this theory that the crew had concocted this story to cover either an accident or a potential homicide. They're like, "Mm, real convenient that six of you all saw a UFO on the same night. Only one of you got like disappeared. So we're going back to like, he stole Fred's jello cup. Fred was pissed. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, they kind of have this working development and they're kind of starting to shift and think, all right, whatever. It's more logical than him being abducted by aliens. And obviously, it only took a couple days for news of the incident to spread. And this story becomes very sensationalized. So police are like, okay, not only do we have a UFO case, we have a missing, or I'm sorry, not only do we have a missing persons case, we've got a UFO case. And now we've got all these crazy people here. And police finally end up asking or offering the six witnesses to take a lie detector test who had initially offered the night it happened. They're like, we will tell you, we'll do polygraph test. We don't care. This is what we saw. They all agree. And they arrange a test to be completed with a well-respected examiner. And from what I could find, they all passed except for one. And they don't necessarily fail. They come back inconclusive. And that inconclusive test could be, you know, they're nervous. They're, they're anxious. I mean, it was a very emotional time. Like, if I saw a UFO, you sure shit, I'd be, like, freaking out. So. If I had to take a polygraph test, I'd be freaking out, whether I was that, innocent or not. Right. The anxiety of what if someone, what if they're a crap examiner and read this wrong and think I'm lying to them? Oh, or. See, I was like, what if they asked me something really embarrassing from my childhood? I can't say no. But I don't want to tell them. I don't have to tell them this. Uh, They'd have to know that piece of information from your childhood before they could ask you. 
How do you know though? What if they like, what if you just want to mess with somebody and you're like, so did you ever practice kissing on your hand when you were a teenager and you're just like sweating? Like, <laughs> this is none of your business. This has nothing to do with this case. This doesn't have anything to do with the case. Why are we asking this? Yes. No, I didn't practice on my hand. And no, I didn't rob that jewelry store. <laughs> All right. We found her, guys. <laughs> Take her now away. I'm going, now I'm going down for both. Because <laughs> you know the media is going to put that in the story. They're not going to leave that part out. Right? Caught kissing her hand as a teenager. Caught red-handed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um... The inconclusive test kind of bolsters the police theory that, all right, we're looking at, at something fishy. And they're like, all right, it's go time. We'll break this one, right? They're like, we're going to, this one that came back inconclusive, we'll get him. Well, the search is unsuccessful for five days and six hours. But five days and six hours later, Walton's sister receives a call. And it is from Travis Walton. He had reappeared on the side of the road near Heber, Arizona, and he found a payphone to call his sister. He was visibly confused and panicked. He was disoriented. He, he was just shaken up. He, so his family goes, they collect him, they take him home. They're like, where the hell have you been? And he's just not in a state of mind where they could really like get answers, right? Can you imagine that ride home, though? Right. I would, like, it's so <laughs> awkward, like, do I ask now? He's crying. Yeah. Not now. He's shaking. He's scared. Well, he ate? Are you hungry? Are you... Well, I'm glad you asked that if he ate because he was visibly malnourished. Oh, God. Um, he had visible beard growth. So, like, they could tell that he hadn't been harbored by someone. And later on, physicians actually reveal that, yeah, he was visibly malnourished. But he also there was evidence to suggest that there was some form of nutrition supplied to him. So they, they use the example as um, when your body starts going into starvation, they said that your electrolytes in your blood and the ketones in your blood are elevated. He didn't have any sign of that. So he was being taken care of, just not correctly. Right. They were, something was happening, right? They were just giving him bread. I don't know what they were giving him. They were giving him something. Now, Travis claimed that after he passed out from that beam of light, from, from the, um, the teenagers accidentally abducting him and then having to take him, it's like a lost puppy. They're like, oh, shit, what do I do with him? Maybe yeah. my parents will let me keep him, you know? Like, <laughs> Sorry, Fling Norp, he just followed me home. <laughs> No problem. Can we keep him? I'll take real good care of him. Look, I'll go to the store and get some human food right now. What do they eat? <laughs> Bread? That's it? Cool. Exclusively one slice a day? Okay, done. That sounds great. Do they need water? Oh, they make their own? Even better. Cool, 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 cool. Sweet. I can do this. <laughs> and after day five, Florg Nor Norp is like, no. I want my weekends back and you yeah. keep pissing on the carpet. So my mom is <laughs> mad. <laughs> He's, he claims that he only had a, a very limited amount of memory. So he doesn't remember much from the five days. He actually thought he'd only been missing for a few hours. 
So when he found out it had been five days, big shock for him. And so he goes on to describe what he remembered. And he said he, after he passed out, he woke up in what he described a hospital-like room. Like there were lights over him and shelves with fancy thingamabobs and stuff. And he notices that there are three humanoid creatures observing him. And he describes them. He says they're humanoid. They're short, four to five feet tall. They're bald. They've got large heads for all that knowledge. They're studying him right now. Yeah. Yeah. They've got large eyes, which I was thinking about this. And how terrifying would it be to have a big head, but with bitty eyes? Oh, I don't like yeah, that at so, all. I mean, I'm glad their eyes were large so that they were proportionate to their heads, right? <laughs> well, I don't know, though, because if your head is three feet tall and your eyes are two and a half, like, that's still, like, really unsettling. <laughs> okay, that whole description is, I don't think that their heads were two feet tall. I think their heads were just big. Look, until I have dimensions, their heads are two <laughs> feet. No, their heads are three feet tall. So their body's just a foot. This yeah. tiny little body holding up this giant head. They have neck braces to, to help. <laughs> Support. <laughs> um, so he also mentions they're wearing orange suits. And what he describes is basically what we now consider the gray aliens. Or the grays. Is that better? Can you now imagine? Can you yeah. imagine a gray with like itty bitty eyes? Oh, I don't, I still oh, don't yeah. like it. Oh, It'd I don't like it. worse if their eyes were tiny, okay? Got goosebumps. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, Travis wakes up, sees this, and is, he's like, what in the world? And so he's he's saying that he's yelling at them and fighting them off and shouting at them to stay away, get back, get away from me, da-da-da-da-da. Now, I have two different sources, or several different sources that have conflicting knowledge on what happens here. I should have just read his book, but I was like, who needs books this week? Um, so he, so either a human wearing a helmet comes in to the room where he's like, get back, get back. Right. And they lead Walt into another room. And then from here, there's three other humans who put a mask over his face. And then he again blacks out and he doesn't regain awareness until he's on the side of the road with the craft departing above him. Okay. Or, or. He's shouting at the gray aliens and they leave the room and Walton's like, now what? So he goes and wanders around. He's abducted anyways, might as well. I mean, and yeah. Okay, he I ran like towards it, right? He's, he kind of asked for it. Uh, and he finds this round room and he's like, it was kind of like a planetarium. And he touches some things, realizes, mm, probably shouldn't have touched that lever. I don't know what it does. <laughs> so... He's like, all right, maybe I should leave. And he's in this round planetarium-like room when another humanoid figure comes, like, finds him and is, like, motioning for him to come with, come with them. And he's like, well, here I am. I might as well follow. And so he follows them and he's taken to a hangar-like room. And he's, he realizes at this point that he is getting off of the UFO. And he's like, there are other UFOs around as well. Now, he doesn't know if this is, like, a mothership or if this is, like, a base on Earth, a base on a different planet. He has no idea. All he knows is this is weird. What's happening? And then from here, he's led down the ramp off the craft. Uh, 
rereading bullets i'm sorry he was then led off the craft to another room with three other humans two men and one woman and the woman he i guess he tried to talk to him and no one was really saying anything to him and he's like what's going on what's happening and they're just not saying anything that's terrifying Uh, and the woman in the room then approaches him with a, a mask like device and when he's not paying full attention she clasps that shit to his face and then he loses consciousness and he wouldn't have any memories until waking up so calm down (laughs) consent is key ma'am yes if you would have asked i guarantee you i'd have been like yeah i really don't want to be awake right now (laughs) i'm hoping i hit my head real hard okay what is that gas it'll put me to sleep why didn't you say uh, so that was the mom. What'd you call her? Flingnorp? Flingnorp's Flingnorp. mom? Yeah, Flingnorp. Uh, she was like, this get rid. Euthanize that shit. Oh, no. Flingnorp didn't walk him one too many times. Oh, gosh. He was asleep. So what? You yeah. gotta wake him up and take him on his walks. Not on my ruggable, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so... Again, that's the memories he has. He's like, I have no idea what happened. And soon after he releases his statement about what happened, a lot of theories start to come to fruition. Um, One of the bigger theories is that a lot of people believe that he had actually been attacked and drugged. And which, I'm sorry, kind of already feels like one way or another the story goes, he was attacked and drugged, right? Yeah, like good police work. Or whoever work good detective work there. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Um, but basically, th- what they believe in this theory is that he was in this drug-induced haze. He was not able to recognize the doctors and nurses as such in a nearby hospital that was caring for him. So the theory is that he was in a hospital. He was just so hopped up on whatever drugs they gave him um, prior to being at the hospital that he his mind believed them to be aliens. And okay, that makes sense. But does it? Because this theory does not account for the eyewitness reports that the six men had seen a disc shaped object in the sky. Also, it leaves the question of why was he attacked and who attacked him? Who did this to him? I still think it's over the snack bag. Probably. Yeah. I'd yeah. fight over a snack bag. Uh, Get your box and gloves one? on. Get your boxing gloves on. You ate my chocolate pudding. Yeah. And it was okay. the cho- the double chocolate with the chocolate yeah. and then the more chocolate in the middle and then the chocolate. Yeah, the, the chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Yeah. yeah. No, we can't. Also, after being examined by doctors, they, they said aside from the fact that he was visibly malnourished and they could tell that he was malnourished, mm-hmm. there were no signs of injuries or drugs present in his system. So that doesn't make sense. Could he, was he mentally, what is a nice way of saying that? Stable? Healthy? As far as everyone was aware, yes. Also in the 70s, I don't think they were super concerned about it. True, yeah. Um, Well, in the days following Walton returning, he agrees to go under hypnotic regression. And interestingly enough, his details that we just talked about under hypnosis 
were basically the same. There wasn't anything additional. The hypnotic regression was like he still had those details. He could only remember the small chunk of time from five whole days. I mean, we're looking at like 20 to two, 20 minutes to two hours total that he has memories, depending on, you know, timelines, all of that. And anything beyond that, Walton stated that he just had this feeling like under hypnosis that if those memory, like those memories outside of that were off limits, he could not recall them. And this led them to believe uh, that he had a memory block left on him. And he also believed that further attempts to retrieve those memories would actually cost him his life. Uh, yeah, they were what? they were like memory block. If you uh, remove this, auto destruct. That escalated so quickly. They were not messing around. They were like, they... "You want to know this information? You're gonna have to die to get it." They skip right past the kneecaps, right past <laughs> your mom, straight to you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. There's no in between. Now that's a firewall. It's a firewall if there has mm-hmm. ever been one. McAfee. um the days following his reappearance also the national Enquirer awarded walton and his co-workers a prize for best ufo case of the year and this came with a five thousand dollar reward they had to take a a polygraph test prior prior to receiving the reward and all of them again but one passed so i mean even the one that didn't pass came back inconclusive and it's potentially Travis's that came back inconclusive. And we'll talk about that later. I couldn't get clarity on who's on that one. Didn't pass. It just, but the, they entered a contest and won with the I don't story. Think, I don't think they intentionally entered a contest. I think it was already so sensationalized that they just kind mm-hmm. of were like, you win. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So if that, you get abducted, make sure it's big news. That just reminds me of this time, uh, you know, down in Alabama, we have fish, lots of fish. Well, we had a fishing rodeo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Strange <laughs> concept, huh? You got fish out there. <laughs> so there is a fishing rodeo. It's a pretty big one. And my dad, he was in it one year. And fish, wait, what's a fishing rodeo? You go out and you try to catch the biggest fish on the board. And on the board, you, oh you my know, you, there's all these different fish. There's sharks. There's trout. There's redfish. All these different things. I'm over here, like, envisioning my type of rodeo with horses <laughs> and broncos. And I'm like, are, this, are they on the back of a shark trying to be bucked off in the water? Yes. They actually settle a large mahi-mahi and just ride it around a large fish tank. Do they do the princess waves? No, but you they know, you do, have to do your... one-handed. Because one <laughs> hand has to be on your nose. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking, like, do they also have the fish and rodeo uh, royalty? Well, no, but they have the guppies. Just, like, <laughs> the mini There's version. no, like, princess crowned or anything for that rodeo. There should be. Actually, there probably is. There might be. I just, <laughs> if there isn't, there might be. <laughs> she comes riding in on dolphins. Yes. Okay. We are off topic. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay, I'll try to shorten it. But basically, another thing they have every year is the the liars contest. And one year, yeah, it, you know, it comes with fishing stories. You got to give them your best stories. Well, one year, my dad won. He did not win. 
the like the best story, he won worst liar. <laughs> because my dad told a story about seeing uh, Bigfoot while he was fishing. <laughs> Is that a true story for your dad? More than likely, it's not. I mean, okay. he won worst. He won worst liar for a reason. <laughs> well, this they didn't get worst liar. They got you know best actors on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe my dad needs to take a pointer from them before the next year. Yes, definitely. Uh, so the the I already lost my place. Where'd it go? I'm sorry. <laughs> so UFOologist Jim Ludwith. He kind of alludes to, he's like, well, this, there's a lot of very viable evidence of this being a true encounter. I mean, he was missing for five days. No memories, nothing. And there's six witnesses. Six out of the seven witnesses pass this test. And the seventh is inconclusive, which doesn't show guilt. It just shows it couldn't detect if it was truthful truthful or not. And this could have easily been caused by the participant being nervous or trying to trick the um the examiner yeah now skeptics like to refer to the story as an example of a ufo hoax they're like yeah sure he got abducted sure 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 um and they're like listen this this was just a hoax for walton and his his friends to make money by exploiting the media it's no biggie like it happens good try media you fell right into his hands (laughs) and one of the potential driving factors um for this could relate back to a statement made by Walton's brother. Basically, his brother made a statement and it kind of made it look like it portrayed the family as UFO enthusiasts. His brother had even claimed to have seen a UFO 12 years prior. And his brother told them that him and Travis had a pact that if either of the brothers saw a UFO, they would try to get as close as possible or even board it. Why would you do that? I am not going to make a pact with you for that. No. Amanda, can we make a pact right now that if either of us sees a UFO, every man for himself, be gone. Out of there. Because I'm not saving you, and I don't expect you to save me. I expect you to run. So I'm running, okay? Right. Because, no, I don't want to know what's on there. I don't. I want someone else to tell me what's on there. Yeah, and that's what we're doing with Travis. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry that it happened to you, but thanks for doing it. Taking one for the team. (laughs) Another thought is that the witness Rogers, Michael Rogers, he actually was the owner, crew lead, whatever you want to call it, of the logging people. And he was having issues meeting the necessary deadlines as agreed upon by the U.S. Forest Service and him. He had already asked for an extension once and... That had cost him. He basically got a fine. It was something like a dollar per square foot. And it was like $1,200 or something. Um, and as they were. So they had gotten a bid to clear a certain amount of acres. That had already. Um, and like I said. They had already had one extension. So that first one was granted. And if he went back and asked for a new deadline. That would be a heftier fine. And he knew that supposedly they knew they weren't going to meet that deadline. That second deadline. And so instead of having to pay, uh, having the pay cut, they concocted the story that would portray uh, circumstances beyond their control. And that caused them to not be able to continue working. It feels far-fetched to me, right? 
So, yeah, I feel like there's a million better stories you could have come up with. So basically, they're like, well, an act of God would force the Forest Service to pay up. And it's like, that, but do they consider UFOs an act of God? Right. Like, that's like an act of Lognog. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they would have been better off just staging some kind of ritual scene and be like, oh, we need to know if that's real blood or human blood. I mean, oh my God, we need to know if that's animal blood or human blood. (laughs) (laughs) Is it real human or real animal blood? Like, is that rabbit? I don't know. Somebody call the cops. There's your act of God, quote unquote. What? So that's the one theory is, all right, well, an act of God, an act of Flargnog has caused them to not be able to continue working. And so now their contract is kind of voided in a sense. And so the forest, uh, forest services have to pay them or blah, 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 whatever. However, their contract is worded. And a lot of people are like, that's just a really far-fetched theory, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, a lot of others draw connections to the release of the UFO incident. Do you remember me talking about the UFO incident? Totally, but you should remind us for those Okay, so don't. you don't remember. So that was the Betty and Barney Hill reenactment. I remember them and their dog. Yeah, because the dog was the important piece. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it was a wiener dog. Right. Like, why do we don't... Betty and Barney who? No, we care about the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so the UFO incident was the the movie made for TV about Betty and Barney Hill. Okay, I do remember. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, And that had actually been aired just a few weeks prior to this incident. And so people are like, he got his inspiration from Betty and Barney Hill. So here's the issue with that is if, if this was a hoax inspired by Betty and Barney Hill, don't you think there'd be a lot of connections and like relatable things where it's like, oh yeah, this also happened to Betty and Barney. Oh, it happened to me too, right? Yeah, like he didn't really take anything from their story. Right. There wasn't a lot of similarities. It was very unique. There wasn't anything. To... I don't even think they saw gray aliens, did they? I don't remember. And I did that story. I believe they saw aliens, but I think they, I don't think they could tell that they were grays necessarily. I'd have to look at my notes. Yeah, there's so many aliens. I don't know. They saw aliens. Yeah. But they also, Betty has a lot of memories. Like, there was pain involved. She wasn't sedated. Like, just the whole, like, even the description of the craft was completely different. Like, there's just a lot of discrepancies. And so a lot of people are like, well, that's where they got the inspiration. And others are like, bro, really? Like, that's okay. Um, It's like, copy the homework, but change the answers. Right. Like, why would I copy if I'm going to just change it? Let me do right. (laughs) So UFO researcher and skeptic Philip Klass. Do you remember him at all? Yep. Sure. Okay. He's just our homie, Philip. Yeah. You remember Philip from like second grade? He's the one that stole your Jell-O cup, by the way. Son of a bitch. he's he's just a really well-known skeptic like he's one of the biggest like names of ufo skepticism there is okay so he also agreed that this was likely a hoax and he's like it's probably for financial gain look they already won five grand done that they didn't ask for right 
he he says he was able to identify discrepancies in the different witness accounts and the polygraph tests were administered by inexperienced examiners. And he believed that Walton used countermeasures to fool the examiner, such as like holding his breath. And he claimed to uncover an earlier polygraph test in which uh, the examiner concluded that the case involved gross deception. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And so he's like, no, like he's lying. He's just gotten better at lying. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, whatever. He's also one of those people where it's like everything UFO related is a lie. So it's like, mm, all right, Philip, take your jello cup and go. Well, I don't like him already because he's calling my granny a liar and my granny does not lie. <laughs> well, Philip, sorry, we're we can't be friends because Granny doesn't lie. No, sorry, but he just really he he says he has like evidence, and he's like, "There's no physical evidence of the area. There's no proof. Travis didn't have any bruises or any injuries. And you said when he got thrust back from the abduction, he hit his shoulder or just like things like that. And they're like, Bleh. and I'm like, listen. I don't know if this is real, but also I don't know if aliens have like technology or like makeup that can just cover a bruise. Like, so he was gone for five days. Five days. That's kind of where I struggle. Is he was gone for five days? Mm -hmm. Five. No memories. Which so he was. You what? (laughs) Yeah, like uh, unless they kept him under the whole time, you know, like kept him sedated or whatever, because. They could be like, hey, this guy's just randomly running around the ship. You can't let him run around. Jeremy, Flagnorp, go get him. We said you him could a sedative. Keep him. <laughs> we said you could keep him if you could control him. And this, it doesn't look like control. Do go we have get to return human, him? Go get your human on a leash before I take him back to Earth. <laughs> I am not playing with you, boy. I will turn the ship around right now. Anyways, so he's like, it was for financial gain. And he also uses um, an example of the financial gain. In 1978, Walton goes on to write a book detailing his experience. And in 1993, um, his book becomes the basis for a film called Fire in the Sky. Have you seen that one? Oh, I don't think I have. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I got bored. (laughs) I don't know. I think I just have a short attention span and it was too slow for me. Um, So Fire in the Sky is loosely based on Travis's book. Um, The events in the craft itself are uh, largely exaggerated. Uh, Travis goes on to say, yes, I know they're largely exaggerated. The ideas that the producers were like, his account's a little too fuzzy and it's a little too similar to other televised encounters. And so they're like, we'll get a screenwriter and make it fancy, flashy, blingy, you know. Bring the Hollywood. Yeah, we got to get that Hollywood. And in 1993, right before this film comes out, uh, Walton and Class appear on the same talk show. I have it later in my notes. I don't remember what it's called, though. Um, they both attend this talk show. And Class is like, mm, you're lying. And I, I mean, Travis, I don't know my point of saying this. Um, but Travis is like, it's not for financial gain. And class is like, this is your example. How much are you making off of this film? And Walton is like, that's none of your concern. Oh, so they went on Jerry so, Springer. Yeah, close. Yeah, it was a little rough. Um, 
Oh, maybe I didn't put it on here. I'm sorry. I didn't put what show it was. It was a talk show. I don't remember which one. Um, but it, it was Maury and um, <laughs> Travis was, was not the father. It was the Jenny Jones show and he has a secret admirer. Okay. Okay. It's actually Philip. <laughs> actually, no, it's Flargnarg. <laughs> 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 Their abductees are coming after the world war. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so he's, that's where Philip is. I get his perspective and his point, but whatever. Um, Walton, he tried to go back to a fairly normal life. He's like, he got married. He had a job. He kept logging. Like, first of all, you are a brave man. You just got, um, you just got abducted. And here you are going, yeah, I'll keep logging. No big deal. Yeah, I can't remember it anyways. So what if I was swung into a tree? It's fine. I wasn't that injured. By the time I got home, by the time I got home, my shoulder worked fine. (laughs) Felt fine. It was no biggie. (laughs) But he he does go on to frequently appear at UFO conventions or on UFO type TV shows. He even sponsors his own UFO conference in Arizona called Skyfire Summit. We've got to get an invite to that, by the way. Um. In 2008, Walton appears on the game show The Moment of Truth, and he is asked if he was abducted by a UFO on November 5th, 1975, which he replies yes, and the show declares that his answer was false. So a lot of people are like, see, they even said you're false. I don't know. I feel like that that can go either way. I, it's a show. I'm like, well, that yeah. type of thing. I'm not necessarily going to believe it one way or another. Unless you went, oh, shit, you guys caught me on national TV. You're right. I've been lying for 30 years, right? Oh, no. And they didn't get any money to say that. None whatsoever. Hmm. Philip. Uh, right. On January 19th, 2021, Travis appeared on an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. That was actually really interesting to listen to. So he's still uh, going. He's still going. He's a trooper. Dang, now, okay. throughout the years, he defends his claims. He's like, I am not lying. Not lying. And a lot of people are like, well, what about the failed polygraph test? And he's like, yeah, I had one failed polygraph test out of 16 or 17. I'm sorry that the one I failed was administered just five days after he was found. He was not in an emotional state to take a polygraph test. Yeah. And while the examiner who read the results was well-respected, he claimed he had found gross deception and others later argued, like, no, I don't think these results were gross deception. I think they were inconclusive. And the actual records were later examined by David Raskin, who many just claim to be the best in this field. He's the best of the best, right? Raskin criticized the original examiner's techniques, calling them unacceptable. He's like, you were hammering at someone that could have very well been a victim, and you were not unbiased. You were... The way he worded questions was very targeted. I was going to ask if that could have been a possibility that yeah. the the guy doing the test was like, this isn't real. You're out of your mind. And he just. Gross like deception. You said, yeah. He uh, Raskin even notes that the equipment that the examiner was using at the time was 30 years out of date. Why? bro? <laughs> so he needed the state couldn't afford new equipment. So he was just using what he got. Wow. But again, Travis says, okay, one, and most people argue that it didn't show deception. It was 
inconclusive. But 16 others where it very much shows that there was no sign of deception. Get out of here. Go away. Right? Yeah. And he also brings up the other men who passed the lie detector test. He's like, they've all, six other men at some point in their lives have all passed a lie detector test. How is it that seven people are able to pass these lie detector tests? I'm very confused. And then he goes on to say, and what would they have gained from this being a hoax? Because if it's for Travis's financial gain, great. But what would the other six gain? Even if the theory of the contract for the logging was in danger, how? What happens if they're found out? Like, oh, we just found out this is a hoax, but we paid you in full. Well, now he has to pay it back. The risk isn't worth the reward on that one. Yeah, good point. So it was just one of those things that he's like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And on his return to the site of the abduction site, many years later, he noted that the trees in the area showed an accelerated growth rate. Now experts claim that this could just be natural, a natural phenomenon and nothing extraordinary, but he's like, no, I'm a logger, sir. And I know how trees grow and it's not like this. I'm a logger, (laughs) sir. I know trees. (laughs) Trees are my expertise, okay? (laughs) Anyways. um, And additionally, he's also like, well, what about the claims on the nights of November 10th and 11th from other witnesses? And November 10th and 11th are the time frame when he was returned. Now, these could be related and they might be unrelated. Nobody knows. So, hours before Walton was found, there is a witness that reports seeing a V formation of orange lights over their homes. Flargdog's mom was not messing around. She's like, everyone get in the car. We're returning this human tonight. Yeah. Um, where was I? So she saw this V shape of the lights leaving. And so she's sitting outside thinking, okay, I'm going to see if they return, if they come back. And she blacked out. <laughs> And her next memory is of her sitting in a large chair in a strange room with dim lights around her. Blacks out, or she sees several humanoid figures. She blacks out again and she's back at her home. So she reports this. Uh, Minot Air Force Base. I don't know if it's Minot. Minot? Minot. Minot. I'm going Minot. M I N O T. Feels French. like Minot. Yeah. Um, Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota, I know, other side of the country, also reported a bright star-like object the size of a car was moving across the sky. And by their estimate, it would suggest that it was at an altitude of 1,000 to 2,000 feet, but it did not emit any noise. And this was corroborated by three other witnesses. And then also, several Canadian sightings from the early hours of the 11th were also reported. Now, again, these might not be linked, but Travis uses these to really bolster his credibility. And like, what a strange coincidence that the night that Flargnog returns me to the shelter, I, there's all these witnesses for aircrafts across the country, across um, North America. So that is the story of Travis Walton and his abduction. What do you think? Travis Walton is... A truth spitter. I believe him. A truth spitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I definitely think it's interesting. I don't know. Like, 
He could be lying, he could not. Doesn't affect me anyway. But I hope he's not lying, because this type of shit sounds terrible. Yeah. It does, like, it just feels like a really far-fetched lie, if it's a lie. Right, and a real elaborate one at that. And you had to get six other people to sign off on it. Like, think about how hard that would be. Because if I were a part of that and I had to be the one lying, I'd be like, no, I want this detail in there. No, this detail or I'm not a part of it. That's how he got thrown against the tree. That right there. Because Alan over there was like, I'm not doing it if you just walk out of here scot-free. You better come back with a limp or something. <laughs> You're like, listen, we didn't just watch you get abducted and drive away. We watched you get thrown. We have to be scared. This We've has to be harrowing. Okay, do you hear? And we're not telling them. We're telling them we left. Bye. And then yeah. Travis was like, okay, cowards. And they're like, <laughs> we left, but turn around, okay? Bye. <laughs> Mike was like, look, we are not going to make it. This, we're not making this deadline. So we really got to get the juice out of this story. Yeah. So, Travis, listen up. When they ask you, tell them you have no memories, but only 20 mm -hmm. minutes of it. That's it. That's all. And yeah. you saw humanoid uh, creatures. <laughs> they were all just, wearing orange jumpsuits. Like, you, no, it's just crazy to me. That's another thing that just occurred to me. Like, not only it, are so many, is so many people, not only are so many people involved in this, but also so many people's stories checked out. Like, it's, to be fair, you can beat a lie detector test. Right. Yeah, it's not. You can do it. 100%. But can... What is it? Loggers? Six people? Six people, including seven. Travis? No, seven, including Travis. I thought Six one of them would come back inconclusive. Yeah, but he at some point had a truthful one. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, seven people. All seven of these people, they... What? No, that seems... Like, were right, they just getting together for poker on Wednesday night? And they're like, tell me your story again. <laughs> we have to practice this shit. Yes. Check. I call. I'm calling that one. Hit me. <laughs> Tell me no, again. Alan, I say 7 p.m. You say 7:16. It can't match perfectly. <laughs> God, Kenneth. Have you never read any true crime books? Amateurs. I can't. I can't work with I these can't. people. That's that's what Travis is doing. He's like, I can't work with these people. Uh, how am I supposed to work under these conditions? <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. I am calling my agent. <laughs> just write me out of the story for a while guys i'm going i need I'm a going break to, i yeah. need a break and that's oh that's when they wrote him into the abduction mm -hmm. they're like all right you want to be written out you're abducted bye fine bye i'm going to the mountains to slightly starve and camp for a week don't know what's gonna happen but <laughs> thanks don't send yeah. me with a razor either <laughs> i'm gonna eat the nutrients but the wrong nutrients <laughs> Just watch me. I'm going to be the one that carries this role, this whole team. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Oh, my God. Amanda, if me They're and you. pushing him out of the car. Are <laughs> you definitely pushing him out of the car? They're like, Flargnard, come get your pet. <laughs> this Flargnard had it coming, you know? He didn't see it coming. That's why this PSA right here. <laughs> Don't bring home strange animals. Probably not a good idea, whether you are terrestrial or not. Yeah. So. <laughs> I wouldn't bring me home. I don't know why James did it. I don't know why Cody did it either, so. 
And then Cody let me bring home more. Yeah, James did that too. <laughs> well, <laughs> James, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. He'll be all right. That's fine. He's in it now. He's committed. Yeah. There's no out. Oh, well, he'll live. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on your on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast.gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. And this has been Hell on Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye.